Welcome to 7-Minute Torah, an exploration of the weekly Torah portion with me, Rabbi Micah Streifer. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to subscribe or comment or share it with a friend. I'd like to start this week by asking you to think of a ritual that is particularly meaningful to you. It could be a Jewish ritual. It could be a family ritual, something that's been passed down through the generations. If you were here, if we were in the room together, I'd, I'd like to know from you what those rituals are. In fact, if you want, log into the 7-Minute Torah Facebook group and let's have a conversation about them. I'll put some instructions at the end on how to do that. But in the meantime, think about this. Why do you perform this ritual? What does it do for you? What does it feel like to perform this ritual? This week we're reading a parsha that's very much about ritual, although that's not all it's about. It's called chukat. Chukat, as we're going to see in a moment, means a certain type of law. But what's happening here is that the Israelites are wandering in the desert, Bamidbar. That's the book of the Torah we're in also. And at this point in the Torah, as they begin to approach the promised land, there's a bit of a changing of the guard. Miriam and Aaron, the brother and sister of Moses, will both die in this parsha. The people move closer to the promised land, start to make preparations to really enter it and start to settle in it. And so there's a transition taking place here. It's a time both of excitement and also of uncertainty. And in the context of all of that, we learn about a new ritual, a really weird ritual. This one's weird even to the commentators. The parsha starts off with these words: "Zot chukat haTorah asher tziva Adonai lemor." This is the ritual law that God has commanded. Now, the word chukah is a certain type of law, essentially a law that can't be explained rationally, for which there is no apparent rational reason. That's going to become important in this parsha as you see exactly what law is being commanded. The particular ritual here is what's called the ritual of the red heifer, in which the people are commanded to sacrifice a certain kind of red cow without blemish, in Hebrew, para adumat mima, and that the ashes of that red cow will be ultimately mixed with water and used to purify people so that they can enter the temple and perform sacrifices. I know, weird, right? Now we have to remember, first of all, that the main mode of worship in ancient times was animal sacrifice. And so, in some ways, this is in line with what was done in ancient Israel. You needed to be able to sacrifice, you needed to be able to enter the temple, and for that you needed to be in a state of ritual purity. But none of that explains why you need a red cow without blemish. None of it explains the strange specificness of this ritual. And the commentators are actually relatively focused on that. Rashi, who's the commentator par excellence of the Torah, expresses some anxiety in his commentary that other nations might taunt us because this ritual has no apparent reason. The Sefer HaChinuch, which is a medieval Jewish book of the reasons for the mitzvot, for the various commandments, says, this is my favorite, On this commandment, my hands are weak and I am afraid to open my mouth about it at all. Since I have seen that the rabbis, may their memory be blessed, spoke at length 
regarding the depth of its secret and greatness of its content. In other words, the Chinuch doesn't know what's going on here either. And he quotes the Midrash, where it says that King Solomon was able through his great wisdom to understand all the reasons of the Torah, except for this one. So there's some kind of anxiety among the rabbinic commentators that nobody can explain why we perform this really weird ritual. Now, they're not rejecting the existence of the ritual, but they are expressing discomfort with an action that can't be explained. And that makes sense. We like to know why we do what we do. And if you think about a lot of what we do Jewishly, there's a really good apparent reason for it. Nobody's questioning the mitzvah, you shall not murder. Nobody's questioning the reason behind honor your father and your mother. And a lot of the rituals that we perform also have reasons. There's good reason for Shabbat. There's good reason for prayer and meditation. But that's not always the case with the ways that we perform rituals. For example, I can explain lots of reasons to keep Shabbat, but I can't necessarily explain why it's important, from a logical perspective, to light two candles 18 minutes before sunset. I could also explain logically why prayer and meditation are good for me, but it's harder to do that with the specifics of, say, tefillin or the talit. There are a thousand ways to pray. There are a thousand ways to rest and refresh. So why these ways? Why does it have to be these ways? And the answer is, actually, it doesn't have to be these ways. But it is. And sometimes performing the ritual is its own good. Rabbi Mordechai Kaplan, who is the founder of Reconstructionist Judaism, writes about the various rituals and commandments as being the folkways of the Jewish people. He essentially argues that things like lighting candles or putting on tefillin, these are the ways that our people have created to give meaning and structure in life, to act in spiritual ways, to approach God. They're not the only ways, and they're not even necessarily the best ways, but they are our ways. And Kaplan says that when it comes to Jewish practice, the past gets a vote but not a veto. That is to say, we don't start from nowhere in building spiritual practice. We start from the rituals and traditions, the folkways, that have been passed down to us over the course of many generations. Those are the things that Jews have done to build a spiritual life. They don't get a veto. We can change them if we need to, but they are the place from which we start. And that means that performing these rituals is not irrational or illogical at all. What do we gain from them? What's the rational reason for them? It's often about connection and structure and security. Rituals bring us together as community. Rituals connect us with past generations, with those who came before us and with those who will come after us. Rituals provide a structure in our lives and a sense that we're part of something larger, that we belong to something, that we have someone to turn to, whether it be other people or God, or even to ourselves. These are rational reasons. They are real needs that we fill by performing rituals. It doesn't mean that putting on tefillin or praying in Hebrew or baking two challahs every Friday is the only way to fill those needs, but it means that it is a way to fill those needs. 
So maybe in the end, one of the reasons that the Torah presents us with a seemingly irrational ritual is to show that the goodness of the ritual is not always in the logical reason behind it. That sometimes the goodness of the ritual is in the connection that we feel, the mindfulness that it elicits in us, the gratitude that it sums up. Sometimes the goodness of the ritual is in the habit of performing the ritual. Let me be clear, I'm not advocating for sacrificing a red heifer. I'm a vegetarian. But I am advocating for filling our lives with positive habits that help us feel good, that help us build gratitude and mindful awareness. I think that kind of structure can encourage us to be more generous with others and with ourselves. It leads us to wellness, and it leads us in the direction of being the best versions of ourselves. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Hey there, Rabbi Micah Streifer here. I want to invite you to continue the conversation in our new Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search 7-Minute Torah Listen and Discuss. Then you can join the group and join the conversation. See you there. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment. And please pass it on to a friend. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week.